enjoyed all the good preaching last night. Wasn't that a blessing last night? And uh, I'm honored just to be up here and uh, get to have a part of it. Mark chapter number 11. I told Brother Bailey back here, I said, I'm real nervous. I said, I, uh, I woke up this morning thinking about that verse that I felt like Jesus where it said that he was seen of over 500 brethren at once. And uh, I thought, good, grace. I'm nervous. Brother Bailey told me that the only difference was is that Jesus had resurrection power. And uh, we'll find out here in just a minute, I guess, what I have. But uh, Mark chapter number 11. And, uh, man, I appreciate the good preaching last night and all week long. And I love it when somebody preaches some texts that you've read, but then they give you some things that you've never seen before. Isn't that a blessing? And feed your soul. And I was thinking about that. I read the other day where the Lone Ranger and Tonto went camping in the desert. And uh, they got their tent all set up, and they, uh, they both fell asleep right there at night. And uh, right in the middle of the night, some hours into the evening, Tonto wakes up the Lone Ranger and says, Kimo Sabi. Say, look toward the sky. What do you see? And Lone Ranger replies, I see millions of stars. What that tell you? Asked Tonto. Lone Ranger ponders for a minute, and then he said, Well, astronomically speaking, it tells me there are millions of galaxies. Time-wise, it appears to be approximately quarter past three in the morning. Meteorologically, it seems we're going to have a beautiful day tomorrow. And theologically, the Lord is all-powerful, and we are small and insignificant. What does it tell you, Tonto? He said, you're dumber than Buffalo. Someone stole tent. Amen. <laughs> so, <laughs> we're going to pray that the Lord will help us see what we're supposed to see from the text this morning. All right. Mark chapter number 11. Mark chapter 11, verse number 27. Made me feel better anyway. Amen. Mark eleven twenty seven. If you're there, say amen. amen. And they come again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, there come to him the chief priests and the scribes and the elders, and say unto him, By what authority doest thou these things? And who gave thee this authority to do these things? And Jesus answered and said unto them, I will also, also ask of you one question, and answer me. And I will tell you by uh, what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or of men? Answer me. And they reasoned with themselves saying, If we shall say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you not believe him? But if we shall say of men, they feared the people. For all men counted John that he was a prophet indeed. And they answered and said unto Jesus, We cannot tell. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Neither do I tell you by what authority I do these things. I want to uh, point your attention to a word that pops up four times in our text this morning. It's in twice in verse number 28. It says, By what authority doest thou these things? Who gave thee this authority? It's once in verse 29. Jesus said, if you answer me, I'll tell you by what authority I do these things. And then in verse number 33, again, neither do I tell thee by what authority I do uh, these things. I want to point your attention to that word that comes up four times in our text this morning, the word authority. And I want to preach on this thought just for a few minutes on authority issues. Authority issues. Uh, here's a true statement for you this morning that nobody likes to be told what to do. Everybody in here, you struggle with 
trying to be the master of your own universe. You have a desire to be your own Lord and to be your own God. Nobody likes to be told what to do. In fact, nobody had to teach you to have that desire. You were born uh, with that rebellion in your heart. I have four children, and they were all four of them were born with a rebellious nature. They have their own will. They want to do whatever they want to do. They were all born with a rebellious nature, a rebellious will inside of them just like their mother has they got it from their mom and uh i don't know i don't know why but they're all born they want to you tell them don't touch that and guess what they, they want to touch that they want to do, don't go in there you're not allowed in here they have their own ideas and it's not long before they begin to vocalize their own opinions and their own ideas and they want to tell you where to go and they want to make plans for their own life and I have to constantly remind my kids that I'm the one that makes the plans and they're the ones that follow the plans. I make the plans, they follow the plans. I'm the sovereign at our house uh, when Heather lets me be. And um, I'm in charge. We all struggle with that. The declared, uh, our own desired sovereignty uh, bumps up against the declared sovereignty of God. And to put it mildly, the Pharisees had a hard time not only with what Jesus did, but he, they had a hard time with the authority by which he did those things. If you remember, you can go back in the scriptures and find out where many times they were astonished, not just by the words that he was saying, but that when he taught, he taught as one that had authority. He taught with the authority of God because he was God and is God. And they did not like that. When the Pharisees, when they taught from the word, when they taught uh, and spoke, they would reference their uh, they would reference their rabbinical teachings. They would reference their what's called the Talmud, and they would say, "Well, our former rabbis have said, and our fathers have said this." But you notice when Jesus spoke, many times here's what he'd say. He said, "I say unto you." You read the Sermon of the Mount and Je- on the Mount, and Jesus many times said, "You've heard it said this, 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 but I say unto you, I say unto you." Jesus had intrinsic authority inside of him whereby he was able to say, I say unto you. And they did not like that at all. The word authority just means liberty. It means power. It means right. It means strength. And I'm going to tell you what, Jesus is uh, the authority. He has all authority. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, he said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Ephesians chapter number one says, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things, the church. Amen. I'm telling you what, the pastor's not necessarily the head authority. The Word of God, Christ is the head of the church. Amen. He is the authority. And if we're going to have a relationship with Christ, it's only going to be a one-way deal. It's going to be a relationship in which He is the head and we are the body. He is the father and we are the child. He is the leader and we are the followers. There's no other way. It literally is his way or the highway. Amen. Uh, He is the authority. And these Pharisees have always had issues with it. In fact, I'd invite you to go back to chapter number 2 just for a moment or chapter 1 of Gospel of Mark. Keep your finger in Mark 14 and I'll show you where they have have been uh, 
having trouble swallowing his authority ever, ever since he began his public ministry. Chapter number 1, verse number 22. Uh, the Bible says in chapter 1, verse number 22, that they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. In verse number 27, and they were all amazed insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And then you get into chapter number 2, and he forgives a man's sins. He says, Thy sins be forgiven thee. And they said, Who do you think you are to be able to say that you can forgive somebody's sins? And verse number 10 says, But that ye may know that the Son of Man, look at it, hath power on earth, to forgive sins. And then he's going on the Sabbath day and plucking ears of corn. And they're saying, who do you think you are to be able to just pluck ears of corn on the Sabbath day? And verse number 28, he says this. He says, therefore, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath day. Jesus pretty much just said, it don't matter what day of the week it is. I'm God on Monday. I'm God on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Jesus is Lord every day of the week. He can do, if he wants to pluck ears of corn on the Sabbath day, he can do whatever he wants to do. Amen. Because he is God. Heard one preacher put it like this, that you will never get over what you need to get over until you get under what you're supposed to get under. There is a blessedness. There is a peace. There is a tranquility that comes with living under the Lordship of Christ. And I believe, by the way, I believe in the Lordship of Christ. Amen. You can call it whatever you want, but I believe in the Lord. He is Lord. In fact, in our text, if you go to back to Mark number 11, in our text, you'll find out that he rides in triumphantly. In fact, many of you may have preached messages on that here just recently. The, the, uh, the season is around this time. And um, he rides in triumphantly and they're saying, King, Hosanna, son of David. They're lauding him as king. But what does he do when he comes into Jerusalem as king? He doesn't go to the palace and fix all of Israel's problems that they think is their problems. He goes to the temple and he drives out the money changers and he drives out those that are selling and making gain and making unjust gain. And he goes in and he cleanses the temple. I'll tell you what, they did not like, the Pharisees did not like that at all. They didn't mind a king that would come in and fix all their problems. But they didn't want a king that was going to come in and interrupt their program and interrupt their plans. And I'm going to tell you what, when Jesus moves on the inside, he didn't just come to make your big toe feel better. He didn't just come to help your finances. He didn't come to help your marriage. I've seen many people walk an aisle and come to the altar. They're broken, but they don't want a Lord. They, they just want somebody that can fix their marriage, somebody that can bring their children back. Somebody, but I'm going to tell you what, Jesus didn't come to watch the show. Hey, friend, he come to run the show. Amen. He is not just Savior. Thank God he's Savior, but he is Lord. Amen. And when you come to Christ, you submit yourself to the righteousness of God. He is Lord. I want to give you a couple things about the authority of Christ from these verses here. They had issues with authority, and we'll see a few good truths that pop up in this text. Verse 27, 
the authority issues that these Pharisees had. First of all, I want you to know this. I want you to note this. Their rebellion against authority. Their rebellion against authority. They came to Jesus, verse 27 and 28. And they said to him, By what authority doest thou these things? Pretty much what they're saying right there is this. They're saying, Who do you think you are? Here's what's going on so far this week. Jesus has rode into Jerusalem. He's gone into the temple and he drove out. He changed everything. He drove out all the money changers. He drove out all those that were selling the doves and all those, the, the seats of all, they were making, making money. I'm sure you know all about that. And they went in there, went in there and he drove all those guys out. And then not only did he do that, but then he set up shop in the temple and for the days leading up to his arrest and trial and crucifixion, Luke says that daily he taught in the temple. There was more than one day that Jesus sat down and began to teach. In fact, if you look in verse number 18, he said, the scribes and the chief priests heard it and sought that how they might destroy him. For they feared him because all the people was astonished at his doctrine, his teaching. They did not like what he said. And so they thought, who... So it wasn't just the fact that he changed the whole operation of what was going on in the temple. He cleansed the temple, but then he began to teach things with authority. And they did not like what he said. And they approached him for one purpose alone. They asked him this question, what authority do you do these things? They were not wanting clarification. They were not seeking confirmation. They were ready to destroy him. In fact, in the subsequent chapters, that's what they do. They devise plans. They keep coming to him with questions, trying to trip him, trying to trap him. But I got some good news for you. You can't trip up Jesus. Amen. You ain't going to get the word trapped in the word. Amen. And uh, they, couldn't, they couldn't get him. And, uh, but they come to destroy him. That was their response. I want you to note this with me and think about this, that Jesus is giving them truth. He's revealing truth to them. And their response is not, to change their life. Their response is not to bow down to His Lordship and to His teaching. Their response is to destroy Him. They have rebelled against the authority of Christ. They come with condemnation. They uh, had a plot to destroy Him. But the good thing about that is that even in all their plots, they never succeeded because Jesus wasn't going to die until he was ready to die. They tried to kill him. Even in the midst of all that, guess who was still in control? Jesus was in control. They could not take his life. Jesus said, no man takes my life. He said, I got power to lay it down. What he's saying is, I have the, I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it up again. By the way, when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't die on accident. He died on purpose. He shouted out with a loud voice, even in his last breaths. He had strength of a loud voice. He died on purpose. He didn't die until he was ready to die. He laid down his life. Jesus revealed truth to these Pharisees, and they rebelled against the truth that was revealed to them. That was their response to the preaching of Christ. What's your response to the preaching of the Word of God? I wonder how many of you bowed up last night just a little bit. Think, who's that preacher think he is? I don't even know the preacher that well, but I'll say this. He's really not anybody, but he was preaching the Word of God. He was preaching the words of Christ. That is something right there. 
And when the man of God stays in this book right here, he has all authority. And there is only one correct response to the preaching of the word of God. And that is, yes, sir. That is, I will change my life. That is, I will repent right now. There's only one response. There's only one, there's only one reaction you can have when truth is revealed to you. And that is you bow yourself before the Lordship of Christ. You don't plot to destroy that man or his ministry. I believe a lot of good men have been criminalized and they've been demonized for simply preaching the words of Christ. Don't let that discourage you. Jesus said they hated me and they're going to hate you too. In fact, I'm worried about a preacher that doesn't have any enemies. Everybody speaks well of them because my Bible tells me that they hated Jesus and they're going to, if they hated the servant, they're going to hate hated the Lord. They're going to hate all the servants. We're not better than our Lord. Amen. They hated him. They're going to hate us also. Sounds like to me, if they love, everybody hates Jesus, but they love this preacher. Sounds like he's not preaching what Jesus preached because what Jesus preached got him on a cross. Rebellion is just simply this. And we live in an age of rebellion. The preacher said it last night. We live in an age where everybody does that which is right in their own eyes. Truth is relative. It's whatever you feel like. And I'll get to that here in just a minute, but we live in a day of rebellion. Rebellion, I saw a definition the other day of rebellion like this. Rebellion is reserving for yourself the right to make the final decision. Reserving for yourself the right to make the final decision. Who makes the final decisions in your life? If it's you, then you're a rebel. If you're making the final decisions in your own life, you are a rebel. Their response was to rebel. Not only did they rebel against authority, but secondly, let me show you this, they reasoned with his authority. They reasoned with his authority. Look at verse number 29. Jesus answered and said unto them, I will also ask of you one question and answer me. I will tell you by what authority I do these things. The question. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or of men? And I like this last part. In my mind, I don't know how Jesus said it, but in my mind it was something like this. Answer me. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't. He demanded an answer of them. And look at verse 31, if you will. Look what it says. And they reasoned with themselves. Jesus answered their question with another question. How many of you know when Jesus asks a question, He's not trying to gather information, right? He doesn't need information. He knows everything. In fact, when Jesus asks a question, it's not so He can get information. It's because you need some information. I like how many times Jesus would listen to one question, but then he would answer the question they really were supposed to ask. Like, you didn't give me the right question, but I'm going to still give you the right answer. <laughs> I love that. He answered their question with another question. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or from heaven? Pretty easy question. In fact, they're already on the record as, as saying what... Um, what they believed, no doubt about that, probably because of popularity reasons, but no doubt they had said that John was from heaven. That was the consensus among the people. He was a prophet sent from God. 
But the problem was is that John the Baptist pointed everybody to Christ and said, this is the Lamb of God. This is the Son of God. This is the one. John said, I'm not worthy to even tie his shoes. And that was on record as well. And so Jesus lodged these Pharisees between a rock and a hard place. And they're reasoning with it. And they said, well, if we answer from heaven, he will say, why then did you not believe him? But if you'll say of men, they fear the people, for all men counted John. They were slapped in the face with truth one more time. Listen to this. Instead of turning from their selves and turning to the truth, they lie. They lie to themselves. They lie to the public. They lie to Christ. They said, we cannot tell, verse 33. They said, we don't know. What were they doing? Verse 31 said they were reasoning with themselves. They could not just accept the truth. Why? Because if they were to accept the truth and acknowledge the truth, listen to me, it would have changed their lifestyle. It would have changed their life. It would have had to change the way that they lived. Listen to me. When you're confronted with truth, why, why do we take time to even wrestle with truth? Why do we take time to... When, when we are confronted with the truth of the Word of God, it should be... It is accepted. We bow before it, but yet we take time to wrestle with it. Here's what we try to do. We try to take truth and see how can we fit this truth into our lives where we can still do the same things we're doing, live the same way we're living, say the same things we're saying, don't have to change a thing, take this truth and adapt it and fit it into our lives when that is the wrong attitude. It ought to be, we ought to take this truth. We ought to take our lives, rather. Not take the truth and fit it in our lives, but take our lives and conform it to what the truth is. We live in a day of pragmatism. We, de- we live in a day of rationalism. Everybody, every sin can be rationalized away. Everything, doesn't matter. What, what do you want to do? What does your flesh want to do? What do you want to believe? I promise you, whatever it is, there is a buffet of denominations. There is a, there is a, 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 a plethora of preachers in this county, no doubt, uh, that will preach whatever it is you want to hear, however you want to live. They will put their stamp of approval on whatever you want to do. You can go to their church. In fact, I'm surprised as many people come to our church as what does. I really am sometimes. We don't have a big crowd, but I'm surprised we have as many as we do. Because I know that some people in our church, they're doing things they ought not to do, and I'm thinking, I preach on that all the time. You can go up the road, and you don't have to feel near as bad about it. You can go somewhere else and probably take a little stress off me too. Amen. Go somewhere else. You wouldn't feel near. You wouldn't feel near as condemned about it. Might enjoy church a little bit better. But that's the day that we're living in, ain't we? Everybody wants to conform the truth, change the truth to fit my life. What's right in my own eyes? Now the authority isn't what does Christ say? What does the Word of God say? The authority is how do you feel? How does that feel to you? What's right to you? We live in a day of reasoning, rationalism. They reasoned with the truth. They rebelled against the truth. And then, I guess, I'm done, I'm done. They were rejected by the authority. Look what Jesus said, verse 33. He said, we cannot tell. And Jesus answered, he said to them, neither do I tell you. 
by what authority I do these things. You know what Jesus just said right there? He said, if you would rather lie to yourselves and believe a lie than listen to the truth. He said, I don't got anything else to say to you. He said, I don't have anything else to say to you. He said, I'm done talking to you about the authority. When Jesus told him that, he was done talking to them about the authority. By the way, that's the scariest category to be in in life. When God says, I'm done talking to you. What more can he say than to you he hath said? He's not, listen, there's not the, I know every, and now and then I got apps on my phone and they update. They got to update. The Bible doesn't update. There's no update for the Bible. There's no refresh. There's no, it doesn't change. God is the same. He said what he wanted to say. He's spoken to us in these last days by his son. Christ is the revealed word of God. And what he has said to us, he has said through Christ and through the pages of this inspired, preserved King James Bible. And I'm going to tell you what, friend, this is what he said. If you don't like it, then there's nothing else to hear. There's nothing else. Jesus said, I don't have anything else to say to you. That's it. And when a preacher preaches the truth to you and confronts you with truth, listen to me, that's not the judgment of God on your life. That's the mercy of God on your life. That's not judgment. I know some people, when they hear me preach, they think they're under judgment. (laughs) That's not the judgment of God on your life. Tell you what the judgment of God is, is when He quits speaking to you. And He says, I'm done talking to you. I have nothing else to say. I say we need to bow before His Lordship. And you say, thank you, Lord, for revealing truth. We need to respond to it in the right way. He's Lord. He's Lord. And in a day where we live, we do, we live in, it sounds like the book of Judges, the day that we're living in, anarchy. Everybody's just doing whatever they want to do. You can find you a preacher, find you a movement, whatever to approve. Whatever it is you want to do, they'll put their stamp of approval on it. In a day when we live like that, may we have some people that are hungry for the truth and say, Lord, not my will. It's not what I want. But God, it's whatever you want. I got my car washed this week uh, when I got into town on, I guess it was Monday morning, and I pulled in. I know this is foolish. This message has been on my heart. But I saw the sign when I pulled in the car wash, one of them where you pull in and then you put the car in neutral. And there's a big sign right there that said, Take your hands off the wheel and take your foot off the brake. And I said, that's some good advice right there. Take my hands off the wheel, and take my foot off the brake, and that little machine chinked me into that thing, and it cleaned up my car real, real good. And that's what we need the Lord to do for us. Let's take our hands off the wheel. I love preaching like we've heard this week, like we're going to hear today. And you know what I want to do? I'm going to take my hands off the wheel. And I'm going to take my foot off the brake. I'm going to say, Lord, you clean up whatever you want to clean up. Amen. Father, we love you. Thank you and praise you for your word.